I'm going to be 50 next year, so I've experienced 50 Christmas seasons, you know. And most, most of those I've kind of, you know, been aware. What do you mean, wow? What does that mean? Okay. Uh, we'll talk later. Is that okay? All right. But here's the thing. Don't you feel in some way that when this time of year comes around, you're kind of just like, I can't believe it's here already. And, and so I was out uh, just doing some regular shopping, not Christmas shopping, last night. And, and all the stores had their changeover and everything, and then the music and the, the radio. And we love it. And I, I'm just one of those people where I love that season, but I also like Thanksgiving and all that it means. And as believers especially, we're thankful for our freedoms in this country and, and especially most importantly, the freedom we have in Christ. And so we should always be thankful, right? Uh, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says that it's, when it, that's that passage that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. Then it says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we're supposed to have that continual heart of thanksgiving. So anyway, I love thanksgiving as well, and I hate to feel like we skip over it. But, um, you know, I was thinking in preparation for for this morning, and then just kind of recognizing Christmas seems to be in full swing. You know, I, I love Christmas movies. You, you like me? Like, you love Christmas movies, and some of them are better than others. We probably all have our favorites, and my favorite by far is It's a Wonderful Life. That's my favorite. It's a classic. It goes way back, um, but of course, they play it, you know, every year and um, around this time. But I love that movie. And of course, there's that very iconic scene towards the end when George Bailey has gone through all of his travails and he's at the very end in the house and everybody pours in to, to, to help him out financially and he's holding his daughter and you remember what happens, right? There's a little bell on the tree that rings. And what does his daughter say? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, right? It's, it's like a beautiful sentiment, like, oh, that's sweet. Because in the whole movie, if you've ever seen it, if not... That's your homework. You have to go back and watch that. Okay. And in the whole movie, there is this angel who comes to earth. His name is Clarence. A little bit of a like sort of a fumbling sort of, you know, rookie angel. They make it out to be. And and he's got this task to try to help George Bailey, you know, remember how good his life is. Right. That type of thing. And at the very beginning of the movie, it starts with just these stars and they're kind of twinkling, and, you, and there's just these words, and you can, like, they're, they're talking, and they're trying to give the impression that there's stars talking to each other, and they are angels. So now we realize that angels are stars, and they're talking to each other. One of them's going to come to earth because he wants to earn his wings and all of that. And that's what happens whenever you hear a bell ring, right? So there, there's all that. I love that movie. That's, that's an iconic scene. So here's why I bring it up. Not only because I think it's a great movie, but just think about all of that. And if you've seen the movie, it's a little easier. But I kind of just gave you an overview. What does it teach us, this movie, about angels? Well, it says they're stars. That's what it's telling us. That they, um, they talk to each other. That um, they come to earth. That um, they have wings, but they have to earn them. Uh, and that every time there's a bell that rings, that the angel gets his wings. And um, there's a lot of other stuff that, that we learn from that movie. But is it all biblical? Is it all? It's funny because that was sort of like a rhetorical question, but it's all good. Because I think you knew where I was going with it, right? 
And I think as believers especially, we can think back and be like, right, it's, 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 it's endearing or whatever. But just think about that for a moment because this morning, our topic in our whole series uh, of looking at different essential theological issues, this morning we are talking about angels. It's angelology. But included with that is demons and demonology. So this morning, we're going to talk about angels and demons, and we're going to talk about the head of the demons, who is who? It is Satan, our enemy. And we're going to look at all that. And why? Why is it important? Because if you remember, our whole series is called Epic, Exploring Essential Theology as Revealed in the Greatest Story Ever Told. And so we have, I have put um, you know, the, the, the basics of Christian theology in, in an order, a basic order that helps to, to tell the story of the Bible. And, of course, we started with the Bible. That's how we started. That was the first one, bibliology, because if we're going to look at a story, any story, you've got to know where it comes from, right? And so we had to see, well, where are we going to learn about this story? It's from the Bible. Nowhere else we don't make this story up as we go, see? We have a source, a true absolute source, and it's called the Bible. That's where we get everything from. And so if that's where the story comes from, then, of course, we have to introduce the main characters of the story. So we talked about God the Father. Right? We talked about the Holy Spirit. Okay? And now, of course, we're talking about angels and demons. These are all characters, if you will, in our story. They all play important roles in a sense. And then next week, we're going to look at the study of theology that's called anthropology. You know what that's the study of? Man, like humankind, of humans. So we're going to look at that too because we play a part in this story. And see, so that's how it's flowing. And so we're not going to skip over and say, oh, it's just angels. It's some kind of whatever, you know, it's a magical thing. I don't know. But no, we're going to talk about it because it's highly significant. But here's why I, I, here's why I mentioned that story about the movie. Because I just wanted to set the context for everything that we talk about. And if you've been here with us, you know that especially in this series, there's a lot of scripture. It's going to be up on the screen for you, most of it. And, and there's a lot of uh, scripture. You can put it down in your notebook. We won't talk about everything. But there's so much in the Bible about all these subjects, more than we can cover. But my, my hope and my prayer is that, that our Sunday mornings together would at the very least like spur you on and encourage you to dig deeper on your own. Because we certainly can't exhaust every one of these topics. Does that make sense? But here's the thing. What do we kind of know about angels? And if you were to be honest, you would probably say, if you were to think about it, you probably learned about angels from maybe a lot of movies that you watched or some, some stories that you read. And maybe you mix in there some of the Bible and then you kind of have this idea. But remember, that's not how we are to approach it as believers. We see what does the Bible say about angels? The Bible always goes back, we always go back to the Bible to correct our thinking, Right? There is this terminology in, in the study of theology that orthodoxy, which means right thinking, orthodox, right thinking, leads to what's called orthopraxy, which is right action. So the, in order to do the right thing, you have to know the right things. that make sense? So that's why we started with the Bible. So today we're going to talk about what does the Bible teach us about angels. And I think you'll be surprised to learn some things that um, are probably contradictory to what maybe the world has said or maybe what you grew up knowing, okay? But in the end, it's got to be all good because the first thing we know is that God created the angels, right? So today we're simply going to look at um, where do they come from, who are they, and what do they do? Three simple things. Does that make sense? So where do the angels come from, 
who actually are they and what do they do? What have they done in the past? What are they doing now? And what will they do in the future? But again, we get all this information from the Bible, okay, and nowhere else. Uh, we're going to look at good angels, and we're going to look at what we call the fallen angels, all right? Uh, because that's important that we remember that too. So, angels are mentioned almost 300 times in 34 books of the Bible. Would you ever have thought that to be true? So, right there and then, I think. In many ways, we know that God means it's significant that there are angels. If they're mentioned that many times in that many books, 300 times in in 34 books, they're significant. So that's why we have to talk about them, because they play a significant role in our story. Okay. So first thing, where do these angels come from? God created them. So we say Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus created the angels as holy angels spiritual beings okay holy spiritual beings god created them and that's that's most important we start with that okay god created the angels he created them uh in an order we're going to look at a little bit later they are in order of his creation the bible says higher than humans completely separate from humans right we're going to look at in a little bit about the scriptures that talk about angels in the form of, of, of men, and we see that. But in its essence, we have to remember, God created them, and they are spirit beings. Okay, How many did he create? There's scripture that talks about myriads, so there's no number. Okay, But what we do know also is that they do not procreate. It says they don't marry, they don't procreate, there's no need to. God created them. Okay, They are directly created spiritual creatures that make sense okay and so the same amount of angels that existed when he created them exist today hebrews 12 22 you have come to mount zion and to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and to innumerable angels in festal gathering so they're wearing something okay heaven uh there's plenty of scripture that, that kind of describes what they wear we'll look at that a little bit but it says myriad or innumerable angels. Okay, so that's the first thing. God created them. They are holy. He created them as holy. I should say it that way. He created them as holy spirit, spiritual beings. Okay, they do not have flesh and blood like us in the way that he created them. Colossians 1.16. For by him, we're talking about Jesus, of course. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Did you ever think about that? We think about creation, we think about what we see around us. Remember, the Bible tells us that he created everything in heaven and on earth, okay? So I believe that's angels as well, because angels are in heaven. So he created them, visible and invisible. There you go. What we see is visible. In the heavens, it's invisible. Angels are invisible. We do not see them. They are spirit beings. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities... All things were created through him and for him. In the original language there in the Greek, um, we are pretty confident that thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities are sort of groupings or in many ways rankings of angels. So we don't spend a lot of time of it, but it's important that we know that they are created by God, they're spiritual beings, and God gave them an order. There is an order just like God is the God of order, isn't he? He is the God of order in everything he creates, so why would angels be any different? 
They're not just like flying around doing whatever they want. Okay, they are subject to God because he created them. They are his creation like we are. And there are evidently different rankings or divisions, okay, uh, in that order. <clears throat> Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. And so if there's going to be different uh, sort of uh, groupings and orderings, then of course that goes to, stands the reason that they're going to probably have different jobs and responsibilities. So we'll look at that as well. So they were uh, not created fallen, although some of them rebelled. Okay, we'll see that in a second. Um, they live in heaven, sort of their abode, but yet we also know from plenty of scripture they can travel to earth. And so therefore, that's one thing that It's a Wonderful Life got right. Yes, they can travel to earth. There's scriptures that talk about them coming up and down. Remember Jacob's ladder? Angels were coming up and down. And so they can visit earth. There's many places where we see angels taking on the appearance of men. Does it mean that they are people? They take on the appearance Okay, And so that's how God created them. They do not die or multiply from everything we can see in Scripture. Um, when did he create them? Well, there's a little debate. It's not really a debate, but it seems like it could be one of two places uh, in God's story. He created them either um, before the creation of Genesis 1, before he created um, the, the earth as we know it. But it also says, we read before, he created the heavens and the earth. So it's possible that he created angels at the same time in Genesis 1 in all of the creation. I don't know that it has a big impact on us, but the point is is that God created them as part of his created order. Okay? That's important. Their nature, again, they are invisible, spiritual entities. Okay? Uh, they can take on human appearance. Hebrews 13.2. Maybe some of you memorized this one. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. What does that mean? See, he's talking about be hospitable to everybody because you never know who's going to come through your door. You never know who's going to come into your house, so be hospitable. And he said maybe even somebody that you meet is, as we might say, an angel in disguise. Now, you know what? The Bible does teach that. What does it look like exactly? I don't know. But we have seen in Scripture, plenty of Scriptures, Old and New Testament, that show angels appearing as humans, as men. Okay, it doesn't mean that they are, but they can appear. That's one of the things that God has given them the ability to do. All right? So that kind of leads us into this, and we'll talk more about that. Who are they? So, so we know that they're created beings. Okay? They live in heaven, but they can certainly travel to earth. Is this amazing that God teaches us? We don't always think about angels, but this is a special order of beings that he created, and these are some of the things they can do, right? Um, so who are they? Let's start with the good angels, okay? The good angels, right? Why are they good? Well, we'll see that too. It all unfolds. Um, the word for angels in the Hebrew, so remember the Old Testament was written um, predominantly in Hebrew. The, the word in Hebrew for angels is molek, and why do I mention that? Because that word is pretty much means messenger, right? There is uh, the very last prophet of the Bible. Remember who that is? Malachi, right? The old joke is he's the only Italian prophet, Malachi, right? We got that. And so Malachi, the name Malachi is a derivative of Molech, which means messenger. Malachi was a messenger. He was a prophet. So we know that, uh, and also in the, in the, uh, in the Greek, 
there is a word that also gives where we get the word evangelize in the Greek, that word evangelize, which means to, to share, to, to, to present a message. It's the same one. So in the Greek, that word that's used for angel has that connotation of delivering a message like evangelize, like when we, we present the gospel to people. In the Old Testament, the same thing, messenger. So that kind of gives us a little bit of idea about who they are. They are messengers. They're often seen as messengers in Scripture. It's one of their main uh, characteristics, right? Holy servants of God. So they're messengers. They do not deliver their own message. They deliver God's message. I probably can't say that strongly enough. They don't have their own truth separate from God. Remember, they are created beings. That's why I started with that. So they are subject to God and his word and his will just like we are. But they are used as messengers. God employs them and deploys them to deliver his word, his truth, and his message. So all throughout Scripture, anything the angels ever did was completely in the will of God because it was God's message that he said, deliver this to them. And it always pointed people back to God. Just kind of file that away for a second. We're going to come back to that. The fact that they speak God's truth and they would never deliver a message to somebody that we see in, in, in the Old and New Testament that was apart from what God wanted. And they always, in every instance you see angels saying something, they always brought people back to God or back to Jesus. Okay? They were to glorify him. Okay? That's why we're created as well, to bring him glory. Um, so uh, look at this in Matthew twenty four thirty six. 36. Okay? Uh, this kind of tells us, that they are limited. They don't know everything like God does. But concerning that day and hour, this is Jesus talking about when he's going to return. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. Because he's talking out of his humanity there. But the Father only. So what does that tell us? The angels, listen, the angels are not God. They are spiritual beings, but that's why I said God created them. So remember when we looked at God the Father in, in our second one, we talked about how God is uh, om, omniscient, he know, he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, he's everywhere, right? He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Those are not characteristics of angels. Angels don't know everything. They are not everywhere. They go where God tells them to go, okay? And they are not all-powerful like God. God gives them the power and the knowledge and the places to go like he does with us. Does that make sense? They are part of his created beings. And that verse there kind of uh, tells us that. Uh, and elsewhere, we won't look at it, First Peter 1.12, it says they're watching us. It's a little weird. They watch us. Why would angels watch us? Because remember, they're not all-knowing. So angels are learning. I think they want to learn about what God is doing with his church. They want to learn about this thing called grace and forgiveness. Right? And so they are learning from us, and, and, and they, um, they uh, are watching us, okay? Um, they are ordered groups, um, and I mentioned that before, First, uh, for, uh, Colossians 1.16. He created all things, right, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, okay? Uh, elsewhere, it talks about in Matthew 26, we won't look at it, um, he talks about several legions of angels that Jesus said he could, uh, that he could command. And Jesus is like, if I wanted to, I could command legions of angels. I love that. See, Jesus is kind of like putting out his authority there, if I wanted to. So we know that there's legions of them. 
thousands more than that, right? And um, uh, but God, uh, Jesus, is in control of them. Okay, um, some of them have names. You're wondering when I was going to get to that. Did you know that the, in the Bible, when it talks all those about 300 times or more in 34 books, it talks about angels. We have three names for angels. The first one we see is, I don't know if it's the first one, but one of them is Lucifer. We're going to talk about him under the subject heading of fallen angels. So who is Lucifer? Satan, the devil. We're going to look at his names in a second. I want to start with the good news, okay? But we're going to end with good news too, so don't worry about that. You will leave feeling good. That's my, my hope and my prayer about that. You will be. We sang about hope, right? We're people of hope, so we're going to leave feeling hopeful. That's the idea, okay? Um, so, three names. So, Lucifer, okay, he's, he's a named angel. How about uh, Michael? Michael called an archangel. Again, there is a, an allusion to the fact that there are a hierarchy, that there are sort of different orders of angels. Michael is called an archangel, used often by God. And who's the other one? Gabriel. Gabriel was like a great messenger. Gabriel showed up at some really important times in history. Didn't he visit Mary? Right? I think it was also the angel that, that, that visited um, uh, John the Baptist's mother, right? And so the angel Gabriel uh, played a big part. So those are the only three names that we have. We have Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, right? Um, they are also called, in the Old Testament, we see this in Job, uh, they're called sons of God. Uh, in uh, Revelation 12, they're called stars, and so one of the things the movie's got right the morning star, stars, okay? So they are called stars. They are not actual stars. You see what I'm saying? So when you look at the, the stars in the heavens, like it's like that's not an angel, but they are called stars. They can, they can have that appearance like there's a reason that God does that, okay? Just like sons of God, right? Created beings. They have personality, right? They have a personality. And so, which means this. Normally, personhood or personality means you have three things. Intellect emotion and will okay intellect that they know things but they can learn because they're not they're not perfect they're not all-knowing uh they have emotion we see in luke 15 that uh it says that every time a bell rings an angel gets his no it's not what it says in luke 15 what does it say in luke 15 right you would think so if we just didn't look at the bible right in luke 15 when someone gets saved what do the angels do they rejoice so they have emotion they love it and they have a will why do they have a will? Because they have to obey God. There are some that disobeyed. We're going to look at them in a second. Psalm 103.20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. So angels have to obey God too, which means they have a will and they can choose to obey him or not. Right? Uh, they had a choice to rebel with Lucifer. Uh, we know from other other parts of Scripture that uh, Lucifer, who we also know as Satan the devil, we'll talk about him in a minute, that he was probably the greatest of all of God's creations. He was, he was described as beautiful. There are angels that had a choice to rebel against him. Okay. Angels talk to people in the Bible. They talk to Mary. They talk to shepherds on that night, right? Um Here's an interesting thing, though. We don't always think about it. Uh, Salvation is not open to the fallen angels, or even the good angels. They are already holy. Remember, they were created holy, but they have a will to choose. 
But salvation like that's open for us is not open for them. It's interesting. There's a lot of scriptures that, that talk about that. Won't get into that too much. But it's not like we can pray for the salvation of demons. That makes sense? Like, like that is set in stone from, from the beginning, from that moment that there was rebellion. Again, it's important to know that the Bible, if nothing else, the Bible has a lot to say about angels. So that's why I say way more than we can cover on a Sunday. Go back and read more and, and do some more studying. Do a devotional on angels. Okay? Um, they're stronger than humans. Remember, the, who rolled the stone away from the tomb? Angel did. Angel did. Okay? Different classes, keep moving, different classes are in that order of angels. Uh, I hope that this is interesting to you. As we see and we look, we look a little bit more at the fallen angels and Satan, we're going to see what do they do and why is it important we know all this stuff, okay? Uh, different classes uh, of, uh, of angels, cherubim and seraphim. You've probably heard them mentioned before, right? Cherubim, Genesis uh, 324. Uh, remember when um, Adam and Eve uh, sinned and God cast them out of the garden? It says, he drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So it seems like the cherubim, first of all, it says they have wings. So we don't know that every angel has wings. It doesn't say that. But it says the cherubim do. It also says the seraphim do. Why do they have wings? I don't know. But if they're spirit beings, you think they need wings to fly around heaven? Anyway, think about it. That was sort of an open-ended question, okay? But here's the thing. If God put the cherubim as a special order of angels to guard uh, the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life, it seems that they stand in the presence of God and somehow guard His holiness. They are like, they, they are sort of, put in into action to guard God's holiness. So they have, uh, th- that order of angels have a special sort of calling and, and appointment, okay? Um, did you know that Satan was actually one of these? Satan was a cherub. He was one of these. It says that in Ezekiel 8. He was a guardian cherub. Think about that. Think about the significance of that. That Satan, the angel who fell and brought all those demons with him, he was created, of course, initially as a holy angel, all right, uh, probably the head of the order. He was a cherubim, and he was tasked to guard the holiness of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Satan was originally a guardian of God's holiness. Now what does he want to do with God's holiness? He wants to rob God of all of the holiness that he deserves, all of the worship and praise. Do you see that? Do you see how far he fell? How about the seraphim? Isaiah 6.2. Isaiah talks about this. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. They have wings too. And two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. They're ones that say holy, holy, holy. We see that in scripture, in Revelation. The, the Hebrew word for seraph, where the word seraphim comes from, it means like burn, burning. So somehow it seems like, uh, especially because we know that they're saying holy, holy, and holy, that they are somehow a part of worshiping God. So there are angels that have kind of been tasked by God to help worship, and they are the seraphim, because their, their name means burning. If you look in the Old Testament, part of worship was burning incense. Why was that symbolically significant? Because the incense, what happens when you burn a candle? You burn incense. 
the smell, the smoke, it rises and it goes up to God. So somehow the cherubim are involved, it seems, in worshiping God, leading the worship, directing the worship in heaven, burning like incense, bringing the worship up to God. Okay, cherubim and seraphim. How about Michael? Michael was called an archangel. Uh, Daniel 12.1. At that time shall arise Michael. He's called the great prince who has charge of your people. So Michael is called a great prince. And somehow we always seem to see Michael in relation to the people of Israel. That doesn't mean it's the only thing that God has tasked him to do. But it seems that comes up often. So perhaps Michael is kind of tasked with standing guard over God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. It's pretty cool that he would, he would do that. He's called an archangel. We see that in Jude. We see that in Revelation 12. Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel comes up, I think, four times in Scripture. <clears throat> Gabriel almost, almost always discloses new revelation. He's a messenger. He is the one that brings the prophecy of the end times to Daniel. If you're, at the very end of our study, we're going to look at eschatology. We're going to talk about something you've heard of, the 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel. Who brings that to Daniel? The uh, angel Gabriel. Okay, uh, Luke chapter 1, he brings information, a uh, message to John the Baptist, to Mary. So a little bit about that. Now, here's where we want to, to land our few minutes left together. What do they do? In the past, we'll kind of go through this quickly. The good angels, right? Uh, Job 38, 7. They witnessed creation. They give God glory. Uh, they are instruments also of bringing judgment. Genesis 19. They warned Lot of the destruction of the city. Okay. Um, they helped to mediate the law of Moses, which means somehow God used the angels to help get the law to Moses. Right. Uh, they announced the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 1. They strengthened Jesus after the temptations, Matthew 4. They announced the resurrection of Jesus, moved the stone away. Uh, they, so they were there at the, the, the birth and at the resurrection. And, the, and also at the ascension of Jesus. How about that? We probably skip over that. The angels were there proclaiming the birth, right? The resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. So yes, they helped Jesus a lot. They bring messages. They bring messages to God's people. All that we see that they did in the past. What are they doing now? Why is it important to us? Hebrews 1.14 says they are ministering spirits. So the angels still exist. God is still using them to work in our lives. Did you know that? Are they not all ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Isn't that beautiful? Who are those who inherit salvation? Believers in Jesus Christ. Christians, the church. So, they are sent as ministering spirits. We need ministering to, right? God does it, but he can often use angels because that's his will. He wants to. We, we can't say, why Why would he do that? Does he need to? No, he chooses to. Does he need to use us to proclaim the gospel and tell our friends about Jesus? No, but he chooses to, right? Angels protect believers. How about Psalm 34, 7? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers him so the angels protect us and can help to deliver us. But remember, it's all what comes from God. They don't do these things on their own. Okay? Uh, it says, it mentions that elsewhere too. 
So, how about this? Like in the movie, do we have guardian angels? Some of you are thinking, yeah, just don't give me a Clarence. Right? <laughs> I don't want some rookie looking after me. I got too many problems in this life. Right? But you know what? It, it, there's not enough, I think, in Scripture to say definitively, yes, we have guardian angels. But I think there's enough to say we probably do. Uh, there was a, uh, it's in um, Acts 12, when we see Peter uh, being ministered to, broken out of prison. It says, his angel. It said, it's his angel. So there's reference, like, it's his angel that did it. Okay? So perhaps we have a guardian angel that God uses. Okay? We don't pray to angels. And angels don't have their own will and their own word and their own truth. It's all what God tells them to do on our behalf. Does that make sense? Great. Uh, at, um, they deliver answers to prayer. Uh, in Luke 16, it talks about how at death, angels take uh, a soul to heaven. How about in the future? Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> how about in the future? I'll just list these. Angels, they come with Jesus at the rapture. They come with Jesus at his second advent, after the tribulation, when he's coming to set up his kingdom. The angels are there with him. So uh, we're going to talk about this in eschatology, but as we would believe and teach here, that the next thing to happen in God's timeline in this story is the rapture. When he comes back for his church, the carrying away of his church, he's going to use angels to help with that. That's like kind of a big job, right? I guess he's going to use some angels to do that. And then uh, when he comes back after the seven-year tribulation, when he comes back actually to earth to rule and to reign for a thousand years, he comes back with his angels. But you know that we're going to come back too? Let me put some truth into that, though. Here's the thing. We do not become angels. I hate to kind of break that news to you. You're not gonna, I don't think you're going to have wings. I, I guess when you get to heaven, you can ask God, <clears throat> can I get some wings? Right. But here's the thing, church, right? That's an important thing. Angels can take on the appearance of people. But when we die, we do not become angels. And I'm glad for that. Hallelujah. Because elsewhere, God says we're going to get some glorified bodies. We're going to get our own bodies, separate from what the angels are doing and how he created them. Remember, he created them specific creatures. So why would we then all of a sudden morph into being angels? It's not biblical. It doesn't happen that way. Okay? And that's not bad news. That's the news of Scripture. But that should remind us of how good God is. Okay? And so we, uh, people don't become angels. We don't pray to them. They don't become angels. Angels have existed since God created them way back when. Right? Um, did you know, it says this in 1 Corinthians 6.3. I think we have this one. Do you not know? That we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? When Paul is talking to 1 Corinthians, he's talking about, hey, there's going to be rewards in heaven. And you know, they kind of matter as what we do now with this life. So let's be, let's be focused on what's happening in this life. But do you know how important you are to God? That even though the angels were maybe more powerful than us, have all these abilities, spirit beings, it says when we get into heaven... That we, as God's church, are going to be able to judge angels. What does that look like? I don't know. Why is it important? I don't know. That's up to God. All I can tell you is what Paul says here. Okay? That that's going to be a part of what we do in the future. And how they're relating to us. The angels are involved in the tribulation judgments. If you read through Revelation, okay, the angel sounds a, a trumpet. 
it seems like they kind of they kind of empty the, the the bowls in the bowl judgment. So they're they're part of that. Another beautiful thing that when they return with Jesus at his second advent to set up his kingdom, that's after the rapture, after the tribulation, when they come back with him, part of what the angels are going to do is they're going to bind Satan. Yeah, God calls them to do it. So talking about Satan with our few minutes left, there are fallen angels. So when God created all the angels holy, gave them a will, they had the ability just like we do, to choose God or to not choose God, okay? And there was a number of them, it seems to be like it was a third, okay, that chose to rebel against him, to, against God. And so we have Satan, the one who led that rebellion. We're going to talk about him now. Isaiah 14, 13 to 14. It shows his pride and his downfall. You said in your heart, we believe that this is really a, a, the talking about Satan, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Can you picture Satan thinking this? He's like, was the closest to God in a way in our understanding. I, I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to be above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You notice what was happening there? He kept saying, I. We kind of do that sometimes too, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Why do we do that? Well, look at what the very first sin was. It's all pride, isn't it? All comes from pride. And that's what led Adam and Eve to sin in pride, the root of all of that sin, right? And so there was Lucifer. Uh, we also call Satan and the devil uh, an evil one. He was a cherub. And he was called to guard God's holiness. But he said, you know what? I can be holy. I can be holier than God. So he chose to rebel. Let's look at him uh, just quickly. So his names. We see Lucifer. You know what that means? Light bearer. Angel of light. Morning star. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says that. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. This is why we have to be aware, don't we? We have to be aware. The Bible says, be aware that there are good angels. We don't want to be caught unaware, being hospitable. We remember that there are bad angels, fallen angels. We're called demons, right? And the, and, and the leader of those is Satan. And so he can appear as an angel of light. That's why we always have to start with God's word. Something that people are telling us, we say, oh, it's got to be from God. Why? If whatever you hear from a person, if it is perhaps the evil one appearing as an angel of light trying to deceive us, we always go back to God's word and say, did God teach us this? Right? Because an angel, a true angel, would never direct us away from God or his word. Amen? So, Satan, called Lucifer. Uh, we also call him Satan. I've been saying that. So, Lucifer means light bearer, angel of light. Satan means adversary or enemy. We have an enemy, church. Zechariah 3, uh, 3, 1. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. He is an accuser. He is our adversary, our enemy. We also call him the devil, it says elsewhere. Devil is even a stronger name for accuser. It really means slanderer. Do you know what slanderer means? 
Do you know that you can, um, you can go to jail for slandering? I mean, that's a, like a criminal offense. That's part of what Satan does. He accuses us before God. Matthew 4.11 says it. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I'm not sure why I put that there. Oh, I know why. I know why. It was kind of like, I probably should have put more of the passages. Do you remember what Satan was doing with Jesus in the desert? He was tempting him, wasn't he? And then it said angels came and they ministered to him. So we're grateful for that. But what was happening, so you had the bad angels, you had Satan, who was trying to deceive and accuse, right, Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus, how does he defend? How does he withstand the word of God? The word of God, right? But then we see immediately after the temptation, the good angels come in and they minister to Jesus. I think that's why I put that in there. It also says it in John 8, John 10. You can look at those as well. Uh, There are titles for Satan. He's called the evil one, the accuser of believers in Revelation 12. He is called the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He is also called the god of the world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The ruler of this world, John twelve thirty one. Did you know all those things? All those names, right? These are things. The prince, what's that? Hey, it's a Q&A. It's good. I like it. Evil one, evil one, 1 John 5, 19. Accuse, he cl- accuses believers, Revelation twelve ten. The prince of this world, John fourteen thirty. Prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. God of the world. We don't, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Well, our, our God, our God is always sovereign forever. He's never not in control. But do you remember what Satan did to Adam and Eve when he usurped authority? Adam and Eve were supposed to have dominion over this world we live in. And they sinned against God. They chose not to follow God, just like Satan and then, and then the demons that followed him. And so what happened? Satan took that authority away from them. So until, right, so then he sent Jesus, the promised Redeemer, because right there God said, okay, someday there'll be a Redeemer. And he sent Jesus, and Jesus was the Messiah, the promised Redeemer. But the people that God sent him to rejected him. But Jesus said, don't worry, I'll be back. Okay? He'll be back to bring it all to completion. So we know that Satan is a defeated enemy. But until then, please, church, maybe if nothing else from today, remember that we do have an enemy an accuser, a deceiver, and he is out to rob God of glory. So when he deceives us and makes us think that we can rationalize away our sin, we are robbing God of glory. Satan knows, as we always say, Satan knows he's going down, but he wants to take as much glory away from God as he can. See? That's what he's doing. But how about the demons, those angels that were created holy that chose to rebel against God in following Lucifer? All right, Revelation 12:3, we see it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna mention them. Revelation 12:9, it says they rebelled. It says it in Jude 6. You can look at. All right, they can possess people. First John 4:4. 4, 4. Can they possess believers? No. Why? Who lives in us? Right. Greater is He who is in us than who is in the world. What does it mean? Who is in the world? It is Satan, because this is His world order. So greater is He who is in us. So yes, Satan can claw at us, if you want to look at it that way. And he can deceive us and get us to rob God of glory by not worshiping him and not obeying him, right? Because we can believe the lies of the enemy. 
But, uh, uh, but Satan, the demon, can never possess and take full. What does possess mean? Take full control over. Cannot do that. Yes, he can do it to unbelievers. Uh, but here's the thing. Matthew eight sixteen. Jesus drove out the demons. We saw that happen a lot, didn't he? In his days of ministry, in his three plus years of ministry on earth, he healed people. He, he worked miracles and he cast out demons. Right? Cast out demons. Colossians 2.15. We can show this one. He, this is Jesus. He disarmed the rulers. Did you know we sang about that this morning? I didn't realize it was in the song we were singing. As I'm singing it, I'm thinking, we're looking at that verse today. Hallelujah. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus has done for us. So, wrap it all up. So what? Angels are real. God made them. The Bible talks about them a lot. Uh, some of them fell by rebelling against God, being led by Lucifer. We also know as Satan or the devil, the evil one. So we need to be aware of this truth, that we have an enemy. Now, it also costs you to do this. Don't blame every little bad thing in your life on the Satan. Oh, the devil made me do it, right? Is it true we have an enemy? Yes. Can he deceive us? Yes. Could be a part of it? Yes. But perhaps also we might experience difficulties because of our own doing. Or perhaps just because we live in a fallen world. When you get sick, you get a cold, maybe you're taking your vitamin C and doing the best you could. You still got a cold. This is a foreign, uh, it's, it's it's a broken uh, world, isn't it? And so nothing is perfect until Jesus comes back and makes it all so. But we need to be aware that we have an enemy. But God uses angels, the good angels, to help us. He uses angels to help us. Why? I don't know. All I would say is because he's good. Because God is good. He created them. He chooses to use them, right? And so, yes, there is spiritual warfare, church. Scripture talks about it. There is warfare going on. It says, it, it says in the Bible that angels, uh, the good angels, are fighting against the bad angels. Well, I thought that the battle was won. Well, you know, fighting is not always to the death. What are they fighting for? They're fighting because why do the, the, the fallen angels, the demons, want to fight? Because they want to thwart the will of God. They want to distract us from being obedient to God and worshiping Him. See? Demons don't like that. Somebody prayed earlier, right before we came out here. You know, we needed extra prayer, and I agree with that. We need extra prayer. Why? Because our enemy is being exposed today. Now, he's in the Scriptures, so we're not making it up. So as we read the Scriptures, we should be aware of all of this. But here in this place today, our enemy is being exposed for who he is, a liar and a deceiver. It says he is also a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. This is a truth of God's Word. It is a reality in our lives that we have an enemy, but remember, greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. Jesus defeated death. He won the victory for us. There are still battles going on, but he won the victory. But remember, this is called Satan's world now. He has that dominion. God allows it, but he has that dominion. So until Jesus returns for us, the church, this is the life that we have. We have God's Word to lead and to guide us. We have the Holy Spirit who we talked about. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. 
But he also gives us angels. He gives us angels. Perhaps even a guardian angel. Now again, maybe I would want to have a Clarence. I don't know. That might be a little fun. It's a nice thought to say maybe the Bible does teach us we have guardian angels. That's okay. But we know it all goes back to God, doesn't it? We give God all the glory. We're not going to pray to those angels. We're not going to thank the angels. We're going to thank God for what he chooses to do. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He also chooses to use angels. He's done it in the past. He's doing it now. He's going to do it in the future. We praise God for that. So we remember how good our God is. And he's a wonderful creator, right? So let's remember we open the words of the scriptures. We learn so much about God and his created order and how he does things. But it's all because he is love and he loves us. Amen? See, I knew we would end being hopeful. Yeah, we have an enemy. But our enemy has been defeated. Amen? Amen. Amen.